Hello and welcome to another edition of Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. One of the things I don't do enough is speak to people doing difficult things. I don't mean brain surgery, but things that could, if done properly, change our muddled and often sad society. How is it that with so much pressure and corruption and so much poverty and such poor leadership, how is it that we are still standing? I think it's because of our private sector, because it's strong. Not just because, as President Cyril Ramaphosa has already recognized, the private sector, not the state, creates jobs. There's more. Doing my research, such as it is for this interview, I discovered that South African corporates spend more than 10 billion rand a year on corporate social investments, CSI. It could be anything from sponsoring a marching band to providing scholarships to good universities, but I've been sure for a long time that the silent spend makes a much bigger difference than we appreciate. My guest today will know that feeling of satisfaction, I'm sure. Setlukhane uh, Manchidi is the head of corporate social investment at Investec, my bank, by the way, and it's a pretty, pretty decent bank, I have to say. Anyway, that's not the point. I don't get paid for advertising here, Setlukhane, but running something clearly socially useful for a corporate able to put money behind you must, be, must have its incredibly satisfying moments. Am I right? I tell you what a privilege it is, Peter, uh, to doing what you love doing, but also aimed at the development of others, uh, supported uh, by the financial uh, and corporate bustle broadly uh, of, of of an entity such as Investec. Well, you're very you're very lucky. You know, we we we're going to particularly talk about, as I was saying. I mean, corporate social investment takes many forms and 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 sh- different shapes and sizes and levels of enthusiasm and levels of seriousness. We're going to talk about skills development and edu- education here mainly. Just tell me just briefly what in your job, what does Investec want you, what gaps does Investec want you to fill and how do you choose them? Well, I think, uh, Peter, the, the most difficult thing here is that our broader vision uh, through corporate social investment is enabling people to become active economic participants in society. Um, and that's really key because it's part and parcel of facilitating inclusion and the likes. Now, the most important thing is how, how do you enable people to become active economic participants? And there are a number of ways that you do so. And we focus largely on entrepreneurship and education. That is key. It's a very important piece. Um, because that's the way in which people become active economic participants in society. It's not doesn't mean that we're oblivious to the many things that exist in society, not at all, but rather that um, we understand that if we are to really empower people, we've got to teach them um, how to fish as opposed to giving them the fish. So uh, just give me a concrete example of what you would then do. How do you find people? To teach to fish. So uh, let me give you some some form of examples. The one is um, uh, one around maths and science education in our in, in our country, which is a very challenged space, and uh, leads to the scarce skills kind of focus and area, which is key uh, in many ways. Than one, and one of our flagship programs is called Promets, and, and in essence, what Promets does is it's extra maths and science tuition over or weekends, school holidays, and the likes to a select few of schools 
So we've got about 10 centers or sites across the country with a capacity of about 5,000 learners in grades 10 to 12 uh, giving, giving the support. And in essence, we uh, partner with the schools themselves. Uh, nobody can walk off the streets and say, I want to be part of Tramets. The schools are the ones that say, here are kids, they feed the schools, and we choose one central location, and, and they come and attend there. And uh, we matriculate about 1,200 a year, um, and we contribute and have been for the past five years or so, at least 5% of the distinctions in maths and 6% uh, of the distinctions in science come from this base, a very small base for that matter. Um, but this is awesome because it's, a, it's indicative of the fact that potential is in all of us. You, know, you don't have to go to Bishops or St. John's or any of the other private schools um, to achieve the kind of results that we get. I mean, we, get, we move kids from 20%, sometimes uh, 30% to uh, 90% or even 100% maths and science. And, and that has seen people produce amazing results. But I think most important is not about producing amazing results. I often say, yes, we celebrate the results. But actually, the key question is, what do they go to do uh, with those results post-matriculating um, and uh, getting into varsity and graduating, which is awesome because a, a huge number of those um, end up being employed. Others even start in their own uh, businesses and the likes. But yeah, uh, the, the key point is it, we're after enabling people to become active economic participants. And that's one way through education that we do so. Um, but certainly, so when, when you, once you've identified somebody and you've said, find them in grade 10 and you've put them through, you know, you've got, you've got them um, a good math mark and metric and you've seen them. Do you, do you follow them through university? I mean, do you? Yeah. Um, so we do. I mean, we, 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 we won. So we've even started what we call a promise bursary fund. So this, this bursary fund, which last year, for example, gave about 74 full cost bursaries. Um, to youngsters who would have um, just come through this program. It's ring-fenced just for beneficiaries of this program. But besides that, some of them go into mainstream bursaries and other bursaries otherwise. And we even have established ProMets alumni chapters at universities um, because it's important in creating um, a, a home away from home, a sense of support, and ensuring that they make it out the other end within record time. And Every now and then we do independent reviews or studies um, of the program, including of uh, where our students are, what difference are they making and the likes. And that's it. We are, what we're really after is the fact that not only did they produce those results, they end up becoming active economic participants in society. And that's key. And, and that's what why relevance is important because it's not about just um, broadening access. It's about broadening access, yes, but supporting in a particular space that um, or leads to scarce skills, uh, qualifications being pursued. What is, how many people are we talking about here? I mean, let's, let's just take a, a you know, freeze frame of today. Um, how many people from high school through university, possibly into entrepreneurship or management, how many people are still, you know, on your radar? At any one time, I would say anything between two to four thousand within our range. Now, assume let's let's assume that that other corporates are doing similar things. 
we were talking before we started about the extent to which people do different things. In other words, and it's difficult to you know difficult to arrive at a sort of a national push for say math skills or, or welding skills or whatever it might be. Do you belong as as a as a corporate social investment officer that you belong to a group of people in business in South Africa? Do you talk about what you're doing and offering, or is it very much a you know company driven thing? Every company does what they do in their own way with their own people and with their own targets. Peter, I think the the most important recognition is that actually there isn't a common vision that we all work towards. We're talking, we do, engaging, we do, sharing lessons, sharing case studies we do, but not to the extent of collaborating and working towards one common vision. You'll find that companies all drive their different strategies. But in the main, you will find that education um, forms a huge part of what various corporates uh, focus on, albeit at different levels. Others would do early childhood development, others would do teacher development, others would do, you know, it's, it's, it spans across a number of different spaces as champion um, by the businesses as they see fit, yes. Can I ask you also, just in, in the case of Investec, how seriously does the bank take your job? In other words, are you stuck in a small office in the basement or do you get to talk to the CEO, CEO when you need to? I mean, what's your budget? Um, I mean, we manage anything between 90 and 100 million annually. Um, but I, I do I do feel uh, heard, listened to, recognized, supported. I mean, I've been with Investec for 19 years. Now, now Peter, I want to say to you, if, if, I, if, 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 if I didn't feel as supported, as engaged, as heard, as seen, and then the extent to which our purpose is very clear. I mean, this is this purpose for the broader uh, bank, which is um, creating enduring worth, living in, uh, and, and not of society. So it's it's very much embedded in 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 our, in our DNA. So this this is um, part and parcel of who we are. Um, and it's 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 hugely supported. Uh, how do you know? How do you know when you're getting it right? I mean, how do you know that you've got it right? That you're concentrating in the right way? That your program is the right thing for you to? That's the right way to spend your annual hundred million rand. You know, Peter. The, the the difficulty is, I often say to people in the South African context, if I put 101 people in a room and I said to them, what kept them, or, or what keeps them awake at night? Uh, on the socioeconomic front, there'll be 101, if not 202, if not 303, very legitimate causes um, to support. And therefore, uh, the difficulty with our, in, in our space is we have to say no more than we can say yes, not because the causes are not worthy of support, but uh, simply because you've really got to think long and hard around the degree of focus and what informs your focus. So a huge part of what informs our focus is a lot more around the vision of enabling people to become active economic participants. It's also um, uh, understanding that investing by its nature is not everything to everyone. And, and therefore, even in our CSI space, um, it shouldn't be. Um, and also that if the, the, the key thing is you, you've got to assess behind, uh, on the back of to what extent is that which you're doing enabling people to become active economic participants. And the extent to which our bursary programs leads to play, job placements, the extent to which uh, promets results leads to uh, better um, access to 
uh, tertiary education and has done for years and bursaries that people wouldn't have otherwise gotten and pursuing degrees that they wouldn't have otherwise pursued. And then ultimately seeing them to become active economic participants in society. That's, that's when we know to the extent to which we yeah. support entrepreneurship efforts and, and the likes. And you see uh, the extent to which uh, businesses, uh, well, the emerging businesses are growing, are starting to employ people. Uh, that's when you start seeing and saying, yeah. you know, there's something to show for it. It's not, it's not the yeah. it's not the anecdotal stories that one tells you. It's when you when 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 I can start by telling you to the extent that I've told you already that six percent of the distinctions in science in this country nationally yeah. um, come from this program. <laughs> that's that's yeah. massive. Listen, I'm 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 attracted to an argument, uh, and I did share it with you um, ahead of ahead of talking to you. Um, that says that levels of education don't correlate well with uh, the economic performance of a nation. Um, uh, Ricardo Hausman of the Kennedy School at Harvard wrote a very provocative article a few years ago where he basically said that as an economic driver, education doesn't work. Um, and uh, he said that a Harvard colleague in the article, I remember, said a Harvard colleague had concluded that in the 50 years from 1960 to 2010, global uh, labor forces, the global labor force average time in school tripled from 2.8 years to about 8.3 years. So, um, you know, what he means is that the average worker in a median country went from less than half a primary education to the more than half, half a high school education. But he says countries that were already at 8.3 years in 1960 uh, were 5.5 times richer than those um, with just uh, 2.8 years of schooling. But as those countries caught up to the 8.3 years, uh, they were still left way behind. And he just his conclusion that something other than education is needed to generate prosperity. And I can't help thinking just reading the article, you know, because he says, he talks about how China started behind Tunisia, Mexico, Kenya in 1960 and, and has now blown everybody out of the water economically. The same can be said, he says, of Thailand and Indonesia vis-a-vis -vis Cameroon, Ghana, or the Philippines. Um, so these fast-growing economies must be doing something other than educating people in the in the formal sense, going to university, passing school, getting good grades. And I think that he's suggesting that, that those fast-growing societies can do more, more things, even though they might not be as educated, because they've got more skills. And skills are not things you can learn in a classroom. And I just wondered, you know, skills you learn by watching somebody do something. Um, it could be picking grapes. It could be it could be, you know, um, welding the inside of a high-pressure boiler. But until you are able to, until you're able to up your skills level as opposed to your education level, you might be missing a big trick. And I just wonder where, you know, where you find yourselves ever, or whether you ever think about um, the gap between the funding that you give to education and the funding that you might give to skills development. So, I mean, Peter... Oh, that was a very long question. 
No, no, no. I, I, I got it. And, and, and thanks for sharing the article, by the way, <laughs> which gave me a sense of where you were leaning. But I, I, I think yeah. there is a place for both. Right? Um, and of, of course, I'm not going to talk so much in terms of economic development as such, but I think to facilitate inclusion, to make sure that people are able to end up as active economic participants in society, undeniably, education. Um, uh, go somewhere. But, but, but at the heart of all this, whether it's education, whether it's skills, it is, it is relevance. You know, I, th- I think partly what we um, are dealing with here in the South African context in particular, for example, is the fact that there is a, often a mismatch between what uh, we have in terms of people who graduate, the level of employability, um, and what the market requires. Um, so it, we, we've got to make sure that there is a, a bit of adaptation in terms of ensuring that, uh, you know, the sausage machine type of approach that we've had for years yeah. on end is something that we've uh, really got to carefully address. And of course, in, in a country such as ours with such a high youth unemployment rate and just unemployment rate broadly, uh, the, the pace at which uh, traditional education includes people in the economy, it's just way too slow. Um, and we've got to be looking at how skills development can fast track people's inclusion in the economy, whether be it entrepreneurship related skills development, be it IT coding and a whole host of others, of course. But but we've got to argue that there is a place for both. Um, and, and of course, sadly, we've let go of apprenticeships and a whole host of other things that may have facilitated people's entry into the, in, into the economy. Um, so I, I agree, and this is why we play in the, in the spaces we play both in the mainstream education front, but also in the entrepreneurship um, side of things, where we've uh, exposed people not necessarily to traditional education as such, but to entrepreneurial kind of training, entrepreneurial kind of exposure, practice, and yeah, I, I I've, I've given you some sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the dropping of apprenticeships was just sounds to me, seems to me, completely insane. Um, what would possess anybody to prevent the actual passage of knowledge from one human being to another one? You know, the 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 call is now for, or there's been a call, or the media has uh, um, addressed it as a call for solidarity to find among its members or sympathizers people who know electrical engineers who can help ESCOM. Um, and whatever the whatever the politics of that might be, the fact is that there are probably a lot of people out there who know how to fix lots of things, um, but who uh, are either retired or left their jobs or taken packages or whatever it might be. But, you know, the, the only possible way for them to teach somebody how to fix a generator or a, or a or a switchboard or a boiler is to physically show them. You cannot surely learn this stuff in a book. And you have to watch somebody, if you're an apprentice, you'd watch somebody doing it a thousand times. And then he'd watch you doing it a thousand times. And then you might have the skill to go and say, hey, I can fix that thing. You know, you drive, all you have to do is drive through I don't know, my, you know, rural trans guy and find out this, you can see what's broken because it's running in the streets. Um, and all it requires is 
is the is the transfer of skills, and we don't do that. And I just wonder whether there is scope for that in CSR. Not not teaching not teaching coding necessarily. I'm sure it's very necessary. Just teaching plumbing. You know, there was a there was a terrible course uh, a story I read a couple of years ago about a course where four or five thousand kids were signed up by the department of whatever to learn to be plumbers. There was a big sign outside Oatambo Airport about, you know, plumbers for the future, whatever it was. And they never did anything, these poor kids. I mean, they were taken on this course, taught absolutely nothing, and then just sort of let go. And what a, what a shame that was. Instead of being attached to a plumbing firm, subsidy from the state so that they could earn a salary and get to work in the morning, um, uh, and, and, and there's nothing there. Is there anything you can do? No, I mean, I think... You're right. There's going to be a lot more effort in trying to make sure that the CSI space embraces the skills development, more vocational skills development pieces, as opposed to only just the traditional route of getting people to go to varsity. But I think we've got to take a step back. And this is where we've we've really got to lobby government, work with government. And this, this is a place for CSI to also play a part, which is that... We should create exit points, uh, Peter, in our education system. C- currently, we we train, we, we we take people through a sausage machine, as I said earlier, yeah. and the only outcome is to get to metric, right? Yeah. And this is why we, the education system is like a leaking funnel of thoughts that constantly loses people all the way through, is because we do not create various exit points when it makes sense which then can, could possibly lead to possible other uh, different paths with one of them could have been vocational. So, for example, um, there should have been an exit point at grade 10. Why has there been no exit point at grade 10? Because not everybody uh, uh, should have to get a metric, yeah. right? And then create a path that uh, would see them pursue vocational kind of qualifications. But your team at colleges, would also talk to the same, right? Um, and have a stronger linkage there. But but do they, I mean, I have no experience with the TVET card. Do they actually teach skills? Or do people come out there qualified to, you know, pick up a blowtorch and, and weld two pieces of metal together? Well, I mean, sadly speaking, which is, it's and it, it goes to the same piece around uh, employability broadly of, of all people who go through tertiary education in our country. Not always. What, not, it's not always as effective as it should be. And in fact, as, as for the TVET college, I think it's in a far worse position than the traditional um, universities are. Um, and really, we've really got to do a, a, a lot of hard work um, in uh, reinventing, recapacitating those colleges for this purpose. Because um, again, if there's a space for ideal skills development, fast pace, very quick to market kind of, the TVET colleges could lend that very uh, space and a lot more practical in nature. I mean, this is a similar thing. As, I mean, in this country, we seem to look down on these, and which is why one of the things we shut down, uh, which is an indictment uh, for many years to come, was the teacher training colleges. You know, so anything else that seems to have a college linked to it as opposed yeah. to a university, um, be it of technology or mainstream, we look down upon. And sadly, that's, 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 that's our, our own downfall. Um, and we really ought to look at means and ways. But 
it, yeah. the corporate sector can't do this on their own. Got to have a willing government that sees and identifies and understands this to be a priority and, 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 and seeks for partnerships uh, uh, to best resuscitate these institutions. Uh, and we need them not yeah. tomorrow. We need them as in yesterday to be back on track. Well, I mean, so you have, you now have, you know, you've got the president now saying he wants a social consensus. Um, and we have in, 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 in the corporate sense, in terms of the budget that they spend on CSI, let's say it's, let's say it's 10 billion rand a year. That should be a very loud voice at this uh, consensus conversation that the president says he wants, but it won't be heard at all. You know, it'll take place at a high, at a very sort of high level of um, macroeconomic policy, and it won't be about teaching people to fix pipes and fix um, uh, switches and electrical or change light bulbs. I mean, it will simply. It, it, the great pity is that it won't go into detail because detail is where the mistakes get made, and 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 the and the and the you know when the details aren't fixed, water doesn't flow, and lights don't come on, and. Um, you know, I just wonder, and I'm sorry, it's, it's, uh, it's not it's not your job, but you know, if business were able to to um, to get its CSI uh, voice heard louder, um, uh, would it just be a jumble of noises, or would there be, do you think, um, a central helpful message to government that we could, you know, with um, uh, some thought? get better results on at the level of skills i'm not talking about education and mathematics just how to do things um, i mean i think i think there could be and it, it is really more a sense of uh, does does government have an appetite to to listen and to see i mean part of what we've always argued in many respects when i speak to my colleagues in, in csi is that it, 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 through the bits and pieces that we do, we've created capacity to deliver. I mean, if if if, if I was to look at the promise example that I uh, I spoke to earlier, we've got a government partnership only in the Department of Education with the Department of Education in the Free State. If only government and all government departments could see this and say, here's the capacity. They themselves don't necessarily always have the internal capacity, but they may have the financial resources to come into partnership with. And that's what shifts the dial. So in, even in the context of the skills development, it has to be a serious threat. It is the acknowledgement, first and foremost, that as government, we don't always necessarily have the capacity um, to shift the dial. Think, and, think, and, and, and we need to come into uh, association and partnerships with those who can help us shift the dial. And it's not a bad thing. Do you think the government recognizes that there is a difference between an education and the skill? Um, I mean, I, I I do think we're starting to hear uh, the Department of Edu- Higher Education through Blade starting to make those noises, noises which seems to indicate that that acknowledgement is there. Um, where NISFAS's emphasis largely has in the past been only on the traditional universities and the like, I've heard noise now being made around how do we um, resuscitate and how do we channel people to get into uh, TVET colleges? And in fact, I've, I've heard the department wanting to shift mindset because that's a big thing we're going to do amongst our youth to say to our youth, it's it's not the dentist, it's not the Sully, the lawyer, it's not 
that necessarily going to, you know, um, earn the most in many instances, well, you know, that you can as a plumber, as, uh, as a, you know, uh, boilermaker, whatever it is, uh, but more technical, uh, make a living and quite a decent living and, and make a contribution, most important, um, in a country such as ours. Um, so I think there is that appreciation, but like most things in our in, 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 in government-related, the, the pace is rather slow. And maybe where it is that I will take responsibility, that we as corporate, particularly through CSI divisions, is we've got to try and fast-track that acknowledgement. That acknowledgement must be turned into activity, right? but you can only try. No, you can only try. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I just hope um, that when it comes to negotiating this new um, consensus um, or partnership in the country, I hope that people like yourself and doing the kinds of jobs that you do um, and and given a little bit more freedom to look around the country than perhaps your colleagues doing big deals and this kind of thing are able to sort of put your hand up, you know, and say, look, you know, before we start signing any grand agreements with the government, um, let's let's just talk about what's happening on the ground. You know, let's get let's get things let's get things fixed. Um, and let's teach people. And I, as you say, you know, I mean, plumbing is a plumbing is a very <laughs> lucrative proposition um, if you're in the right place at the right time. And uh, so I presume would be lots of other hand skills simply simply learned. You know, brain surgeons learn how to operate on people's brains by watching other people do it. You know, there might be there might be lessons to be learned and books to be read, but it's only watching. Only the transfer of skills can only happen between two humans. Um, it cannot adequately happen, I don't think, um, uh, in a classroom. Um, but, um, you know, that's just uh, an uninformed journalist view. But, Sitra um, Khan, um, it's been fantastic to talk to you, and, and I appreciate it. And, and thank you for giving us, for giving me your, your time. And I wish you great. Good fortune with uh, with with your program. It sounds fantastic, and and you know we uh, the country the country is alive because people like you do the work that you do. That's that's why we're still standing, um, and uh, so we should be grateful. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Setokhani Manchidi, head of corporate social investment at Investec. Um, uh, I hope people uh, have enjoyed listening to you, and I'm sure they will. Thank you for joining me and we'll all be back next week with another interesting guest.